matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Okay, terrific. Language and writing were made available. He'll teach you everything. I'm writing this down. This is good stuff. A lot of writers benefit from being held accountable, from good writing support. I talk about it in writing chats. I talk about it with clients. I've talked about it on this podcast. One of the best ways to improve your writing before we even talk about changing sentences or redrafting a scene or something, one of the best ways you can improve your writing is to get yourself a support network that allows you to see writing in the field, to work on issues, to have them brought up, to get a sense of readers reading your work and getting a sense of feedback and just sort of feeling like you're not alone trying to do this very hard creative thing. And if you're a writer who's been really scrambling and scrabbling trying to get all this stuff together and you want to write better, but you just plain don't know how, my advice to you is to head over to patreon.com forward slash John helps you write better. And for $2 a month, yep, $2 a month, you get access not only to all this great Patreon content, but most critically, especially if you're a writer looking for help, you get access to the information you need every week for the writing group I run. It's very simple. Every week we get together a handful of writers. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's four, sometimes it's six, sometimes it's way more than that. But we get together every week and we go over writing. Everybody's writing two to three pages at a time. I read it aloud. We talk about what works. We talk about what doesn't. We get immediate feedback. We share ideas. We ask questions. I ask questions. You answer questions. You ask questions. I answer questions. It's a, it's a high intensity. Well, that's not entirely true, but it's a highly active. I don't want to make it sound scary, but it's a highly active way of sort of immersing yourself in a really working sleeves rolled up in the trenches approach to writing to help you write better. For more details, head over to patreon.com forward slash John helps you write better for $2 a month. Just hop over on the Discord and we'll get you all sorted. Two bucks a month, totally something worth thinking about. All right, on with today's episode, whatever it is. Hey, I'm John. This is John Helps You Write Better. I hope you're doing well. Today, well, today I want to pull the curtain a back a little bit and explain to you a little bit about how the coaching editorial process works so that you get a sense of maybe a problem you're having and a solution on how to fix it. So first, let's let's draw back that curtain on how I do what I do. In a coaching session, you can have you have the ability to bring me a chapter and we can go through it line by line together. We hop up on Zoom, I share the screen, we walk through all the notes I make. And then you get a sense of like, oh, okay, this is the state of the, the chapter or whatever you bring me, pitch, query letter, whatever. In a bigger edit, because you can hire me to edit your book, just head over to johnhelpsyourwritebetter.com and there's an appointment you can click to set up something where we can talk about how to edit the whole book and get it all nice, neat, and pretty so that you can traditionally publish it or self-publish it or whatever the hell you want to do with it. But when the book is really a mess, when there are substantial problems, numerous problems, 
uh, I end up having to take the manuscript, no matter how big it is, and I break it into pieces. Now, it used to be that the size of the piece was sort of like an eyeball view of how bad it was. Smaller pieces, the worse it used to be. That's not so true anymore. Uh, smaller pieces are now really a function of time. Like if I have a lot to do, a number of books to do, I'll slice them into small pieces so I can make progress on every single one a little bit every day. It doesn't really indicate difficulty anymore because sometimes I slice a book into, you know, 10 page or two chapters at a time or some random number like that. And the book is a breeze because it is well-crafted and it really just needs me to come in a few spots and poke it with a stick and ask some questions or make some suggestions or just yank out commas or whatever it is. But sometimes I slice a thing into pieces because it is, uh, it's in real rough shape and it requires a lot of work on a lot of different fronts. So rather than make my brain leak out of my ears and just stare at a whole big, you know, 100,000 words, I break it into pieces so that I feel like I've accomplished something and so that you can digest hundreds of comments or, or so many notes it looks dizzying in a more digestible size or speed or anything like that. I want to make this process easy for you on the other end, and the rougher the manuscript is, the more overwhelmed a lot of writers can feel when they're seeing all these notes, all these comments, all this, you know, is if we're doing it in Microsoft Word, a lot of track changes and red on the page and all this different stuff. It can be very emotionally taxing, scary, anxiety producing and overwhelming. And I'm trying to make it as easy as possible, but not to put too fine a point on it. When, when the shit is a mess, when the book has so many problems, I want to walk through them one at a time and I want to make sure you know that we're going through this together and we're going to go through this one at a time. And if it takes you an extra two drafts, well, that's what it takes to get the best book possible. It's not an indication of, oh my God, there's so much red, I should quit. Uh, that's your choice. You're welcome to do that. But really the point is there's so much red because we have a lot to talk about because I want to put tools in your toolbox. I want to equip you to do the best you can and get better every time. And every writer starts and moves on their journey at a different pace and a different time and in a different way. So lots of tools, lots of talking. And one of the things we invariably will end up talking about is your protagonist, your hero, your main character, your MC, whatever the, whatever the hell you want to call it. And we're going to talk about them in terms of how they're constructed because they're the, the most common character your reader is going to interact with. Whether we're in third person or first person doesn't really matter. Whether we're in present tense or past tense or whether we're, we've got this point of view or that point of view, your reader is going to and should attach to that main character. So having a well-developed main character is critical for getting your story into the reader's head and, and then affecting them in some significant way to make them give a shit about the book so that they, they, the reader, keep reading. And a lot of writers fumble this. A lot of writers struggle with this because they mistake a well-crafted protagonist, main character, for a character that does cool shit. Now, cool shit's great. We all love cool shit. Who doesn't love cool shit? But your character doesn't exist in the world just to have a fancy CG budget or to have a lot of skills and do stuff like a badass. That is a, a real misunderstanding of the reader-character relationship. Your reader doesn't only want to watch 
or read sentences and imagine a movie where the character does this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing back to back to back very quickly without any kind of difficulty or without any any kind of challenge. It's it's not it's not a flat superficial visual like that. For instance, you might have characters that can cast spells and they just chuck magic around like I'm throwing a ball for a pet to catch with no effort, no problem, no whatever. That's not what the reader is looking for. The reader is looking for that character to be a bridge into sort of deeper imaginative thinking. That character should feel, even if that character is an alien or a robot or a supernatural being of indescribable age or wealth, that character should feel relatable to them. And a lot of writers fail to build a relatable character because they're too caught up in the cool stuff they made and in the cool stuff the character does. And hyper-relatable, cool stuff is hard to do because if you're doing, if you're, you know, constantly throwing magic around, if you're constantly like a master of 10 million skills and pieces of equipment or whatever, it's really hard to be relatable to your average reader who's maybe not fully, you know, weapons trained in 15 things that will kill you. That's, that's some escapism. That's part of what a protagonist can do. That's part of what a protagonist can offer. But it's, it's, not, um, it's not why we read the character. And it's a very underdeveloped writer who perceives that the best part of the character is the fact that they just do stuff. Again, if we're, and I've talked about this before, we talked about this earlier this week, if we're talking to children, if we are writing a story, then the character does this and it sounds very cool. If we're just laying out cool actions uh, you're oversimplifying the story and you're disengaging the reader from the character because it just seems very, um, very, sum very summary, I guess you might want to say. It's very like, here's a cool thing. Here's another cool thing. Like we're just jingling the keys over the baby to make them giggle or something. We need to do so much better than that. And in stacking your characters up, and loading them up with skills, or worse, skills and like brand names. He used this kind of gun and that kind of holster with these bullets chambered to this thing, and then he does this, and then he used this beer can, and then he does that. And, and we're just loading the reader up with very dry fact. He cast this spell, then he cast that spell, then he went over here and cast this third spell. Again, we're just showing off how much the writer has imagined things, which does not allow the reader to feel like the character they're reading about is a real being. One of the other appreciable problems with this is that the character never struggles. This one's a biggie. If your character never struggles, if your character doesn't have a hard time with things, your reader, who in their real life has a hard time with something, I don't know what it is, but they've got some stress, they've got some challenges, they're not perfect, if your character is always perfect and never has to struggle and never is really under any threat, the reader doesn't feel like they can relate to the character. If the reader can't feel like the character struggles just like they do, the reader can't connect to the character in that way because they're not going to connect with the character who can cast a million spells and they're not going to connect with the character who's an immortal, supernatural, mega-rich being because the reader is none of those things. Your character has to fail. 
Your character has to have the potential to fail. And I don't just mean in the immediate, like, oh, God, the dragon could eat them, because that's a situational issue. As a, I mean, anybody could worry about that. But your character has to have some, some dirt under their fingernails, some imperfect skills. And a lot of writers don't want to make their very cool characters that they worked super hard to create. They don't like making their characters struggle, because for some authors, it, it's somehow uh, emasculating, especially if they have a very macho character, like an ex-Navy SEAL who's been framed for murder, so he goes on a vengeance spree to, you know, correct the, 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 the murder or the error or whatever. They don't, they, it, they find it unmanly, whatever the fuck that means, to, to make a character who has to stop and think and be challenged, like, like it, it's, it's somehow no longer cool that our character can't just do the thing they do best all the time. I liken this situation to the Wolverine problem in comics. When, when you're a comics reader of a certain age, Wolverine can be just the coolest because Wolverine has claws and kills everything. They're the best at what they do, bub. And it's just like, let's solve our problems with the most immature emotional response ever. Let's just stab it until it's dead and be, a, be an animal. Rawr, and then we stab, stab, stab. Over time, the Wolverine, much like Batman, just you know, taking out his his mommy daddy dead issues on criminals with his feet. Uh, Batman also loses some of that you know really cool violent polish because it's there should be more to a story than that. There should be more to a story than just the character doing cool stuff perfectly because the reader can't relate to that. Which is why some of the better Batman stories and some of the better Wolverine stories are not about the claws or not about the adamantium or not about the healing factor. You see the same problem with Deadpool. Or, or Batman has to do some actual detecting or the threat to Batman is something substantial that you can't throw money at or you can't jump kick in the face. This kind of thinking beyond just what a character does and how well they do it is often beyond a lot of writers, especially in early drafts, because they just want the story to be cool. They just want the character to do cool stuff and have the reader go, wow, that's so rad, that's so awesome. The, the tough Navy SEAL used you know 16 brand name products perfectly without an issue. That's so cool. If this were on TV, we'd say, fuck yeah, that's awesome. But we're not on TV. We're imagining the movie. We, we get to get deeper into the character's head than we can just staring at famous actor number 11 doing cool stuff on screen. Your character can fail. Your character should face risk. Your character should not be perfect. Your character doesn't just need to have one flaw like, oh, they're cocky, because that's a, that's a simplistic way of introducing a flaw, but it'll never come up unless you just keep saying, you're so cocky. You want to develop a three-dimensional character. You want to build a character that isn't perfect. If you were to grade their skills, you know, sure, some of their skills would be the highest level. But there should also be a scale. Like, they're, they're really good at one thing. They're kind of good at two or three things. They're okay at two other things. But maybe they're dog shit at four other things. And the story is going to include those four other things they're not good at. Because that risk, that danger, that possibility of failure makes the story more compelling. And it shouldn't just be, you know, like, the guy's great at shooting things in the face, but he can't defuse a bomb, so the problem will be, you know, a bomb. Because if I can just shoot everybody and make somebody else defuse the bomb, then there's no real risk or challenge. Like, that's, that's not a great, compelling story. A perfect character is perfectly dull. 
a perfect character is perfectly unrelatable. A lot of writers aren't willing to risk that character because they just don't like the idea of this thing they're overly emotionally attached to having a problem because they'll, they'll dig in and say, well, books are about escapism. And books can be, for some people, about escapism. It's not universal. Most stories have an element of escapism just baked into the premise, just baked into the genre, baked into the idea. But having perfect characters doesn't mean you, you can escape more effectively because it's too perfect. The character never really risks anything. It's never really hard for the character. It doesn't mirror the, protag the, the reader's life. The protagonist is just too good, and everything comes too simply. So if there's no threat, you can't really convince the, the, the reader that the character's doing some hard stuff. If you have a knight going to fight a dragon and it's absolutely cakewalk for the knight to go, you know, ride out there to the dungeon, fight, you know, fight their way through these monsters that are just more of a nuisance. And then they get to the dragon and somehow they're, they're brilliant enough to defeat the dragon. And there's never really any risk beyond like, oh, the dragon says he'll eat the knight. But in the end, nope, the knight one, two, three kills the dragon and we all go home. If, if that's your case, your story sucks. I don't know how else to say it. A perfect character makes your story suck. You want to craft and shape a character that has elements your reader can understand and has reader has elements your reader can appreciate. Yeah, they're having a hard time with this thing. They're having a hard time with that thing. It isn't just they're having a very hard time performing this one rare, you know, form of kung fu. Because the reader probably isn't learning one rare form of kung fu taught only by two monks at the, under the light of the full moon. The, the reader's looking for a human, a human experience, even in the most inhuman character. And you have to think about that. You've got to think about this character you, you've idolized and put on a pedestal, and you've got to make them human. And a lot of writers aren't very comfortable doing that. How do you do that? How do you get that done? You weaken your character. You, you, you put dirt under their fingernails. You increase the challenge of your book. You make them imperfect. You don't just say they have a problem and then it brings it up one or two times and then the, you know, the character huh, laughs to themselves and makes Pixar smug smirk face and then we just move the story along like it's no big deal. You, you make the character feel relatable. You, you give them some challenges that push them frequently and often in multiple directions. You make them feel like regular people. Like I could walk out the door, turn around, and there's your character standing there just as plainly as somebody who's, you know, just in the hallway. Make your character relatable. Perfect characters are perfectly dull. Give that some thought. I'll talk to you next week.